Hello, and welcome to the Strength to be Human podcast with your host, author and playwright Mark Anthony Rossi. This show explores all forms of creativity for those searching for meaning and a place in the world. To err is human, but so is to love. Now, without further ado, here's your host. So welcome back to Strength to Be Human, and this is your host, Mark Anthony Rossi. We decided to do something different this time. I've been kind of building this up for the last couple of months. I would have had it out earlier, but I had that bout with illness. I've been just getting uh, questions uh, from various uh, members over the uh, internet and, and putting them together so this way I can have a Q&A episode, and, and that's what we've done. I finally got about like 15, 16 of them, I got like six for John actually, uh, but we'll we'll do that when I do a show, com, you know, joint with him. This one will be mostly the ones I'll answer that were directed at me. Okay, this will be episode number fifty-eight, uh, Q and A. All right, let's just jump right into it here. Um, I I did my best to paraphrase uh, some of these questions because sometimes people sent me like a paragraph statement and stuff, so you know. Not to give anybody a hard time, but um, a paragraph is not a question. That's pretty long. So I did my best to try to interpret what they were trying to ask. This way I can give them a, you know, a, a suitable answer. All right, let's go right with into it. The first one is, why does your show not strive to be perfect sounding? And believe it or not, I actually appreciate this question. I don't want to do that. I don't want to sound so slick and, and so perfect that... Um, it detracts from what I'm trying to do. You know, it's it's my philosophy that uh, the more perfect sounding or the more the more perfectly organized something is, usually it means that uh, it has something to hide, whether it's the content or its agenda or whatever. And I don't. So I believe as part of being authentic is is also trying to be uh, not so slick. So I don't have a whole bunch of bings and you know whistles on, on the show. I don't have a lot of weird sounds. Uh, I just try to keep the production simple and make sure it's a clear enough broadcast, and that's really all I'm interested in, in doing. It's no different for the interviews where people are not being prepped. They're, they're allowed to speak you know, their mind and what they want to talk about, you know, as long as within the guidelines of the show that we keep it artistic and you know, we keep it as family-oriented as possible. So that's the, that's the main reason why, okay? All right, next. Um, is your tough love approach to writing a form of inspiration? Because I really don't find it that inspirational myself. I had to paraphrase that one. It got a little bit more <laughs> rougher than that. Uh, and just keep in mind, folks, uh, most of these people either didn't want to have their names uh, revealed, kept themselves anonymous, so I'll just keep them all anonymous. That's and that's that's fine. It's not that important. And. Don't want anybody to feel strange because they're asking a, a, a question honest and legitimate. All right. I don't really have any real approach, tough love or otherwise. Uh, I really don't. I'm simply spouting out either my experience, you know, what's transpired for me over the years, and, of course, just sometimes the facts of the, of the situation. All right. So if you're telling somebody uh Hey, don't go to Vanity Press because they charge a lot of money. Uh, production also isn't very good. They don't do any marketing. You just stuck, you just stuck paying this bill, and you still have to go up there and learn that stuff yourself. 
you know, that that's not tough love. That's just the truth. And I feel, if we are talking about it in the uh, subject of love, that uh, love uh, tells people the truth, uh, even if it can be a bit painful. And love gives people all the facts as much as it can and does its best to prepare them. It's what you do for a child when you try to get them out there in the world. You want to try to give them every every tool, every weapon, everything possible to to make sure that they're successful and, and, and safe. It's no different with riders. If you care about the people, that's what you do. I mean, I know there's a, I know there's a, a segment of writers out there. They just want you to hold their hand and, and lie to them all day. Yeah, everything you're doing is great. And don't worry about spending money on expensive editors who don't do very much for you, but run it through a grammar program. And don't worry about vanity presses. Keep giving them thousands of dollars. Everything's fine. Uh, there'll be plenty of people to tell you that stuff. They're usually on the social media running the writing groups, just lying to people as they're getting a cut of all the money that's being made on all these projects I'm talking about. But I don't do that. I don't have a reason for that. I'm not interested in that. And I, I simply won't tolerate that. I don't know if that's tough love or not, but it's certainly my way of going about things. I, I think it's the most honest and authentic that I can be. All right. I would love for you to do a show on Stephen King. I've actually gotten this question more than once. So, <laughs> funny enough, it's like, it's probably like the fourth or fifth time. I don't know why they haven't picked anybody else. All right, not to put down Stephen King, um, because he's probably the most successful writer out there in, in, in some time to come, uh, other than Dickens in the Bible. I mean, he's up there. But he's not really what I consider a literary writer. You know, he's a very commercial writer. You know, he's a genre horror writer. And it's just, it's, it's not my thing to really talk about. If I was going to talk about any kind of writer that was at least um, in, on the artistic bent, I, I, I would choose Clive Barker. I mean, especially his books of blood, those those short stories, and to put out an entire collection of five books with those is amazing, and they're very literary. But Stephen King, even though he's done a few short stories, we've had a few collections of such. It, it to me, it's not worth talking about. Even his technique of writing 1,500 words, 2,000 words a day, don't do much people good because it only does good for him. It's his style. He thinks in storylines and in plots. He doesn't think, you know, like most of our writers think in, in, in a literary uh, sense. So it, to me, and it wouldn't be uh, interesting to do. Plus, I, again, I, I do the writers, that are not only literary, but also the ones that I can take something from that I find interesting. This way I could relate back something to you that's interesting. I don't really find them that interesting of a writer, so I, I can't do 40, 50 minutes on, on on him. And I'm not putting them down. This is, this is the truth, okay? All right, next. Are you planning to release an episode on how technology affects writing? Yes, I, I am. Because there are certain effects with technology in terms of... Uh, you know, you can write uh, now on your phone. You could do it on your iPad. You could do it, uh, you know, on a computer rather than a pen and a paper someplace at a restaurant or a napkin someplace or in a park or maybe when you're at work, you jot down a couple of things. So there, there's been some effects that way. But in terms of, you know, technology itself doing something uh, more or less for writers i mean you could say that ebooks has been a good a good invention towards that direction and, and that that's be, can definitely be something to talk about and i like to do an episode about that and technology together but um if you were to say technology as a whole doing something it's it's more superficial than anything else 
it's more about storage containage and you know printing things and you know the confinement of, of words like in, in an ebook but you know it's not like technology somehow has not made people broader in a sense and, and made them uh, better writers or more interesting writers it, it, it's another good interesting subject to talk about quite frankly because you know you think about the writer that says, what should I write anymore? Shakespeare says everything. Well, he didn't talk about microwaves and, and moonshots and checking out plants on Mars and seeing if, if, if Pluto's really a planet. I mean, these are many things that can be talked about that are new, that many of the writers, even 100 years ago, didn't or couldn't talk about. So from that standpoint, it's given us more to talk about. But I don't really think it's changed us much beyond that as an actual writer. You still have to deal with the doubt and the fear. You still got to deal with the rejection. You still got to deal with families being pain is in the neck and not supporting you. You know, all of that. All right, next. Uh, I really enjoyed the shows where you pair up with John Patrick Robbins. How did you guys pair up? Well, thank you. Um well, I met him through the internet, and um, I liked his writing. I, I liked the, the gruff style to it all, no filters. That's interesting. Um, one of the few writers I've known that actually used some curse words, but used them in, in a way that was uh, both literary and strategic, so that that's great. But John, to me, is, is a, a microcosm of many other writers out there. Writing their heart can also be very informative and, and very inspirational and, and takes it seriously, but sometimes uh, struggles with um, wondering, you know, where he's going to go. I think these days he's gotten more confidence than he had in the past, and I'm very, very proud of that. And it just shows you that if you follow the kind of path he's following, you're going to be just fine. And I'm uh, not to say that you're not going to have all these struggles. That's part of being a writer. It's nothing unusual about that. But um, it's important to, to see on how somebody can go from one form to another and continue to, to grow and get better and better. And that's what he's doing. Uh, I know I nominated one of his poems. Uh, he did a fabulous job on it, uh, Neptune, and hopefully hopefully wins the best of the net. I'm real, real proud of him. But also, he, he did his own podcast for a while. So when I was conceiving the idea of building a show within the show, I'm like, well, this is a perfect guy because he already has the experience. He's literary. He writes. So he could speak from, from personal experience and, and, and speak from the, uh, the emotions that often, you know, uh, propel us and, and sometimes even trap us as writers. So it was a blessing to me and, and a perfect fit. And thank you for that question. All right. Uh, I'm a strong supporter of the interview segments. How do you make them so unique? Well, the, the one way I do is we don't have questions fed to people, you know, um, previously, and then they somehow answer it, and, and we go from there. I don't, I don't feed anybody any questions and, and give them time to answer. I mean, we'll, we'll generally talk about, hey, um, this is Jimmy, uh, Mark, and I want to talk about uh, my book, you know, uh, dogs are aliens, and I also want to uh, talk a little bit about um, where you can get the book from and what my inspiration was, and blah blah blah, something like that. Maybe some 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 basic, you know, topics about things they want to talk about, and as long as they're keeping within the lines of it being literary and nothing crazy and blasphemous, bigotry or anything like that, then that's what we do. 
And then I just ask the questions and go from there. They're right on the spot. There's no preview rehearsing. There's none of that nonsense. So that's how we keep it unique because that allows the uniqueness of a writer to come out because you give them that kind of respect. I mean, it can be a little nerve-wracking for a couple of writers I know. They were able to get through it and it worked just fine when they, they, they took my advice and it, it became a natural thing for them. But believe it or not, I still have writers that they won't go on the show. They don't like that idea. It, it terrifies them. Um, I'm not here to criticize or judge them. It, 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 they, they can come on whenever they want. Or maybe they just never come on and promote their work in this way. You, you can't. You can't drag people into it. That's all you can do is provide that. But again, it's another, the interview, it's another extension of, of my beliefs of, of being unique and being authentic. And that's how we do it. It's going to work for most people. It's probably not going to work for anybody, like anything else in life. All right. Deep, depression is strikes the artistic community in a major way. You did a show on this already, but may I suggest you do another? And thank you. Yeah, you could definitely suggest that. You could suggest I do another on other topics as well. But uh, quite frankly, I'm not going to revisit some of these subjects unless something really relevant is going to come out of it, something new, like something I'm adding to it. Because there's no point, you know, stressing over the same points I did in the other show. I mean, just so I can make a, a show what that's almost the same. It doesn't make a lot of sense, and I don't want to bore people or, or give people stuff they already kind of heard already. So when I got something new to say about that subject or something new comes out maybe in the news that we could talk about, yes, I will definitely do that. But until then, no, I don't really want to repeat myself, and I try not to. I mean, you probably have a couple pieces here and there. You know, it wouldn't surprise me during the Writing and Fire series I did. I did four segments, poetry, fiction, um playwriting and then writing you know you might have a couple of things here and there but for the most part i do my best to try to keep them unique within the the title and the, and the subject matter okay all right i recently um saw that you had a battle out with a number of small presses who charge fees for their work what was behind the scenes well i could just tell you this in a nutshell um yeah i called out about three presses that simply do this i i heard about the um the money they were charging, I seen the, the crappy production they did, uh, the nasty comments they had to other writers, you know, um, that either they were competing against or they had their own dispute about. Um, some of them were, were, were guilty of sexual harassment as well. I mean, you, you can't be oppressed charging money and asking somebody on a date. I mean, it's disgusting. It's stupid. That's not literary. So I called them out. I wrote some poems against them. Um, I've actually banned a few of the writers uh, that, that came out and gave me a hard time. If you're going to do this, you know, you're going to throw your own pride away and, and go with these ridiculous presses, don't come over here bashing me. That's not going to work well, well for you. And you won't be in my magazine then because I'm not going to have somebody that's going to openly promote that kind of garbage. I'm not going for that, period. And I'll call out any press that does this, period. I don't care who they are and who they have on their roster. I suggest you stay away from that. All right. Uh, do you have a grudge against uh, rhyming poetry? Interesting question. No, I don't. And the reason I say don't is because you give me a poem that rhymes, that sounds good, that sounds unique, that sounds fresh. Yeah, I'm going to I'm going to publish it. But quite frankly, rhyming poetry is a difficult task and it's a difficult sell. OK, I mean, how many times can you say 
uh, run fun, um, have a joy in the sun, or night fright, and oh, it's all right. I mean, come on, it's, it's silly. We've heard it all a thousand times already. It's kind of hard to really be uh, creative when you're rhyming unless you're not coming up with some really interesting rhyme schemes, and most of them are not. They're just doing stuff we've seen already. And you can tell from the from the pace and and, and the meter and all that stuff that they you know they're hinging on every every rhyme. So to me, if your if your poem seems like it's hostage to the next rhyme, you're you're not doing well with it, and, and you're not adding anything new. It, it, what's the point of that? I'm not going to publish that. So I usually don't. Not that I never republished rhyme poetry because I have, but it has to make some sense. It's got to be uh, it's got to be fresh. Okay. Otherwise, stay away from it. Stick to haiku or free verse. Stick to just your own creation of, of what you're doing. But don't mess with rhyme if you can help it. All right, I'm told from behind the scenes that you've had to tackle homophobia. I thought the art world was more progressive. <laughs> yeah, I thought so too. Well, let me tell you something. Unfortunately, the art world oftentimes is quite no different than the regular world, which means that they say a lot of stuff, but they don't often practice that stuff in public. So I've found it all over the place. I've known people that uh, promoted the diversity of cultures and, and, and handicaps, but they're still talking anti-gay stuff, even writing anti-gay stuff and expecting me to publish it, which I'm not going to do. And let me tell you something now, folks. I'm not that political. It happens. It comes out every so often, but I'm really not. I'm not some expert on civil rights or human rights or gay rights or disability rights or whatever rights. I'm, I'm not, which means I don't have any axe to grind on, on all this sort of stuff, but I'm, I'm just not going to promote hate and bigotry. There's already too much of that out there, okay? And I've had some, and this is what that person is referring to. I had somebody that literally told me, here's a poem, which when I read was actually a good poem. It in itself wasn't bigoted or anything wrong with it. But their request was, hey, Mark, can you publish it? But can you put it in an issue where you don't have any other gay poetry next to it? Because that's really I really find that objectionable to my beliefs. So I don't want my poetry next to anyone in that episode or that that, you know, that issue that month. That's what the person asked me. Uh, no, that can't be done. And I'm not doing that. I rejected them. They're not coming back. That's that. I'm not playing those kind of games. First of all, I run the magazine as I see fit. And it's going to be run as I always run it, you know, with with freedom in mind, with quality in mind, and without any of that sort of hatred and nonsense. You're free to practice that nonsense on your own time. I can't stop you. I'm not going to spit, sit here all day trying to convince you otherwise. That's not my job. I'm a writer. I'm an artist. I'm a publisher. I'm an editor. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I'm not a social worker, okay? So, yeah, I guess in that way, if you look at it, I kind of tackled homophobia. But I'm not out there, you know, swinging some hammer for gay rights. I, I don't even know half the stuff or understand it. I don't even understand what a gay person is doing. But what I do know is this. I don't have any right to, to put them to the sideline or make fun of them. I don't have any right to, you know, cast some excursion on their existence. They're here. They're here for a reason. Uh, they're a big part of the art world and, and, and history, and you know, to exclude them to me is it, stupid, and it doesn't make a lot of sense. So, just because I don't understand them doesn't mean there's something wrong with them. Just means I don't understand them. I don't know. Maybe I'm the idiot, and it's fine.
But no, I'm not going to do any of that kind of stuff. I had somebody on my writing groups on the on the on the social uh, media, Facebook, told me that um, I wish you wouldn't promote uh, magazines that had gay writers in them, and they actually reported that to Facebook. So there's somebody that I kicked out of the group because again, that's idiotic. You're going to report somebody to Facebook for what? Because they're writing something about gay because they're being gay because they are gay. It doesn't even make any sense. If you're not into that, or you're not you're not comfortable with that, then you know, move on ahead. Don't publish with them and have a good day. I don't see what the problem is. You know, and that's the problem. People not just expressing their opinion, they're, they're trying to force that on somebody. I'm not trying to do that. I'm not telling you be pro-gay. I'm just telling you don't bring any of that anti-nonsense over here because I'm not interested. Just that simple. I don't know if that makes me some civil rights warrior or not. I don't really know. I doubt it. But um, I'm not. I'm just not going to do that. I have kids, and I don't believe uh, cutting them off from from reality is the best way for them to face the world. They're gay people out there. That's something they're going to have to deal with when they grow up. Best they know now. All right. Aren't I eliminating markets from my writing? By skipping over magazines that charge fees? It's a very good question. I say no. I say, from my experience working in, in, in magazines in the past before I got my own, and even, you know, sending out my own material, no, you're not skipping markets. The markets are skipping you because you're going to find that they already have a predetermined people that they want. They want certain people, certain backgrounds, and they just want you to subsidize their efforts. So you're paying for them to do whatever they want with them and their, and their friends, but you're not going to get published. So that's just how I feel about it. That's how I really believe it's going on. I've seen enough of it behind the scenes to believe that is the case. If you don't want to take what I'm saying seriously, that's fine. It's your money. Go put out $200 a year and, and, and see, see how well that goes. And in fact, give yourself a good experiment here. Put to the side your um, submission uh, data for the ones that you paid for and the ones you did and you didn't and, and, and see how well that works out. Look at look at the odds. You'll find it's practically zero for the people that you paid for versus everybody else. There's a reason for that. It's not a cold coincidence either. But if you don't want to believe me, put some money out and go give it a shot. You know, but I think just on the fundamentals, you know, um, paying to submit your stuff to a magazine, it to me it's just extremely offensive. I think it's ridiculous. It's counter literary. It just makes no sense on every way. Just beyond the bias I'm talking about that you're going to face, just the act of it itself makes no sense. I'm not for that nonsense. Never will be. I don't ever pay for anything, and it never will. Okay. I find it inconsistent at best to actively promote book reviewing but then declined to publish them in aerial chart. I appreciate it. I don't I don't mind a, a, a thickly a prickly question or something that might even appear controversial. Um, I'm happy to answer it. I don't believe it's inconsistent. The reason why I don't is because I chose uh, for for labor stance and also for for priority stance to pick just fiction and poetry, that short fiction and poetry for aerial chart, and that's it. Okay, guess what? I produce praise all the time. You don't have plays in my magazine. I got a, a, a nonfiction column I've been doing for three years now. 
don't know do no nonfiction in aerial chart either, other than the occasional editor article that'll be in there. That's about it. So no, I'm not gonna have book reviews in there. It's just for those two forms, poetry and fiction. It doesn't mean I can't promote poetry just because I don't do that in aerial chart or book reviewing. I still think it's important to do out there to contribute to help your fellow writers. But no, I, I don't have room for that. I mean, because once I do that, I'll have everybody and their uncle want me to do everything. You know, it'll be 10,000 categories. I don't have the time for that. And even the volunteer or editors I have, and I have two of them, don't have the time for that. So that's why I chose that, okay? So I'm sorry if it seems inconsistent to you, but run your own magazine and, and put 100 categories in there and see how well that works out for you, okay? All right, uh, here we go. Uh, in the past, you promoted dual language poetry presentations for more obscure languages uh, like uh, Icelandic being one of them. Are you going to continue this most valuable service? Wow, that's that's a great question, and I appreciate that. Uh, yes, uh, this the thing is, it's hard to find anyone who's doing any writing like that. In fact, I approached a couple of American Indian. Uh, tribes that had, that had languages that were on the verge of dying, but I still didn't get any takers yet. And one of them got mad at me saying, oh, you only come around when you want something? I don't even know what that's supposed to mean. Yeah, I want to help preserve your language and put something on the on the, on the the internet over here that would show uh, English in your language. I don't see how this is supposed to be uh, unethical or culturally strange. You got me. Some people just want to be grumpy. I'm trying to work with somebody uh, to find somebody from Alut, which is um, uh, basically Eskimos. That's another interesting language to try to find. I understand they do some poetry in that language as well. I already did Estonian, and I think I did Serbian as well. So I've done a couple, and uh, hopefully we'll, we'll find some more as time goes by. I think I want to try to do one in Basque, if we can get that. So I'm, I'm trying to get it as, as many as I can out there. It, obviously, it's going to run its course in time, but hey, I think it's a useful um, endeavor. Thankfully, no one asked me why I didn't write, run anything in Spanish or Portuguese or Chinese because, you know, last I checked, there's hundreds of millions of speakers of that. So it's all about trying to do things that are more obscure. But let's... Let's talk a little bit about some of the questions that I really couldn't put out there because some of them were just ridiculously, um, you know, either profane or bigoted or something like that. I've literally had people ask me, you know, why don't I don't have more politics in there? I had some people ask me, um, you know, why I don't talk about Trump, <laughs> which is kind of funny because this is a literary magazine, okay? So. You know, unless Trump is cutting a poem or, or doing something literary, uh, no, I just don't see the point. Yeah, I really don't. But I also had a few questions that I, I didn't really um, review over here, mainly because they were kind of like rehashes of, of someone asking me about why I haven't done an episode on depression. I mean, I've had a few people ask me why I haven't done another episode on, on relationships, and, and one asked me about why I haven't done one on writing therapy, and it's really the same answer as, as the depression answer. I mean, i got to come up with something fresh and new, and quite frankly, I'm not sitting around here thinking about, wow, how can I do something else on this subject? I'm not really thinking about it. I'm usually trying to think about something new. We got coming up here. Um, we're going to be releasing the James Baldwin thoughts about him, and of course, we're going to be doing one on book reviewing. 
got one coming up on that. Um, I know we have another one, um, another uh, classic um, uh, series on uh, Shirley Jackson, the, the female writer. So that'll be great. And we're going to be doing another couple more Goss Houses, another um, couple more um, Metal Futures, you know, talk, talking about metal music and some of the things that's happening with that. Uh, we're definitely going to be doing um, more of the uh, different writers that we'll, we'll bring up. I, I want to do another uh, another series of uh, a group of them again, like I did last time, that, that social imperative where we did four of them and, and some of the social things they did. I always find that interesting, how you can have a writer that's doing literary stuff that can also have a, a social impact. You know, I, I'm I'm really happy with 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 the questions for the most part. Uh, people really, I I thought were listening and and trying to ask things that made some sense. You know, I had to cut chuck a few out that were just ridiculous. I don't know if they're just being jokesters or not taking it seriously or just want to be, you know, a profane. I didn't add, I didn't add it in there, but we can still talk about it. Someone asked me about why I don't really have much sex. And the show itself, or um, an aerial chart. So I'll, I'll answer those two quickly. An aerial chart, um, I don't mainly because I don't really find graphic sex poems interesting. There's only so many ways you can go about that. To me, it's like rhyming almost. You know, you're gonna do something that maybe is highly creative and interesting, maybe even a little entertaining, and it's a bit graphic. I, I might look at that, but I don't get stuff like that. I get the usual nonsense. You know, so I, I don't I don't think that's good. And again, I got probably over 60 percent of, of the readers and the people that come back uh, every month uh, are women from around the world. And then now they're going to appreciate this. I just think I'm a, another jerk then if I start putting stuff out there because they'll see that I'm striving away from literature and trying to do things that are more shocking. And I don't blame them for, for getting mad about that then and, and then staying away. So I have to think more as an editor on some of those things too, not just as a, as a writer. I'm not personally against somebody that writes a graphic sex poem, and I'm not saying that it shouldn't be published. It's just not a place for in my magazine. Okay. Um, Aerial chart. I'm not really sure how to do a, a a show about sex and writing. I mean, what is that going to do? I'm not going to instruct you on how to do it. It's not really a, a strong subject for me to write about. You know, I don't want to sound like a prude or a weird person, but it's to me, I I don't find it a terribly entertaining subject to write about. I really don't. And to me, it's it's just something more of a you know a private matter. So I, I really can't see why I can think of an episode for that at all to talk about. I just don't think that's that interesting, you know. Maybe one day we could do something of a romantic nature as a show, possibly. You know, um, I know a, a, a novelist that's doing romantic novels right now, so maybe she might want to come on and talk about that. And maybe there's a few of those scenes like that that she can discuss how she tackled those and still keep her audience. From that perspective, that would be interesting to do and, and to hear about. You know, but just to do it willy-nilly, just to, to say sex someplace in there, just, I don't really need that kind of exposure. And, uh, you know, that's one thing you got to be careful with a show like mine is that you don't get yourself isolated by accident. Because remember, it doesn't take much for someone to run one of your shows that has that strange topic on it forever. And then everybody thinks that's what your show's about. 
That's why I'm not doing stuff on aliens or Bigfoot or Loch Ness Monster. You know, unless you can show me Loch Ness Monster busted out a poem yesterday in Scotland. I mean, come on. So it's really that's the reason why, because you don't want anyone running that off. So I can just imagine doing some kind of set show, no matter how tasteful I do it. You know, and someone just runs that all the time. Yeah, that's what he does. You know, or, or someone hears that and they think that's that's what your whole show is about. For the good or for the bad. And then they're disappointed one way or the other. So to me, it's not a good idea. It's good to stick to the literature and all the various topics. I just don't think I'm going to run out of any of them anytime soon. So that helps you understand that and, and where I'm coming from. I don't really have a, a great moral, you know, compass on the subject. I just, I just think it's overdone too much already. I mean, if you think about it, you can't even watch a cable show, you know, without 150 sex scenes before we even get into the plot. Half that stuff is not even necessary. It's just done to get people in into the door to check it out, really, because th there's not really a, a plot point to it. You know, oh, we're having sex in the shower. Oh, we're having sex in bed. Oh, we're having sex in the laundry room. I mean, come on. Get silly. So that that's I don't need to add to it. And that that's really uh, it on, on that subject. I am interested and I'm probably going to be doing a show, you know, about um, about violence and writing. You know, what might be uh, helpful? What might not be? Do you do something in there that could probably propel somebody? You know, to become violent. I'm not a big proponent of that. I'm not a big proponent of believing that you write something and now somebody got the idea. They do something in real life and somehow you're responsible because you're not. You're a writer. What are you going to do? You know, you can take something out of Shakespeare and do it in real life. It doesn't mean that, you know, something wrong with it with his writing. I mean, you know, to me, it's no different than being a gun owner or, or, or a gun shop owner. You know, you sell somebody a gun, they do something stupid. It's not your fault. You're conducting a legal business. You did what the law permitted you to do, and, and it's up to them to have the, you know, the personal responsibility to to do the right thing. If they don't, it, that's on them. That's just not on you. It's the same way with writing. But it would be interesting to do something about that and lyrics and, and things like that. I know that used to be a big subject in the '80s. You know, where there were parents who were not really parenting correctly, or probably crappy parents. You know, their son does something, or daughter does something stupid, and, and now you're blaming a rock group for it. You know? You've had 15, 16 years with this kid, and, and they listen to a, a song for 15 minutes, and, and now it's some rock group's fault. It's just asinine. So we'll probably talk a little bit about that. It's, that's a pretty interesting uh, a subject. Uh, I, I'd definitely like to do that. And, and we'll go into a little bit more of other writers. I, I keep trying to do that, making it making it as interesting literally as possible. I just want to try to do the ones that I find the most fascinating because then I can give you things, you know, that you might not be aware of and that, that you might find really, uh, you know, interesting. Um, I definitely want to do um, some more interviews, and we're working we're working on that. You know, schedules are not always the easiest, but we're going to be doing a, a few more here. And uh, uh, in the coming month of, of August, okay? So don't worry about that. In the meantime, folks, I wanted to thank you very much for, uh, for uh, contributing to the show in this unique way. Hopefully we could do it again, you know, in the months ahead. It took a little while to, to kind of gather everything, but I, I think it worked out great. And I hope you uh, let you understand a little bit more about the show, maybe a little bit more about me and, and the magazine and, and kind of going from there, okay? Thank you very much, folks. God bless, and I hope to see you the next time. Have a good one. Bye-bye.
Thank you for listening. Please follow the show and visit our blog at strengthtobehuman.blogspot.com.